0: Hey there, it's Elliot. Before we get to the episode, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so that you get alerts every time we post a new episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, tell other people about it. We're really looking to help people understand how the role of the CCO is evolving. And if you can help us reach more people with that message, it would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. General Motors is an icon of the American auto industry. But like all automakers, it faces realities that are driving a full scale transformation of the company. It's easy to see how ride sharing and autonomous vehicles will reshape how people get around. So how does GM fit into that future? The answer is that it's going to have to become a different kind of company. And that starts with redefining everything from its business model and its strategy to its culture.
1: If we're not developing learning organizations, if we're not comfortable not knowing everything, if we're not comfortable with ambiguity, we're in trouble because this stuff is changing.
0: That's Tony Cervone, GM CCO. He's at the leading edge of the new GM, one that hopes to be defined by its aspirational goals of zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. We first spoke to Tony as part of our latest research project at PAGE, and it became clear as we did that that the work he's doing demonstrates just how significantly the role of the CCO is changing in this time of rampant disruption. I'm Elliot Mizrahi, and this is The New CCO. On this episode, you'll hear Tony's interview at the Spring Seminar with former IBM Chief Brand Officer and SVP John Awada. They discuss the context behind GM 000 goals and how Tony's responsibility for the brand helped him shift the company's culture and purpose.
2: Tony is the only CCO I believe we interviewed twice. We did a phone interview, you were very generous, well over an hour, and then we, we flew out to Detroit and met with you and um, and some of your team members for well over an hour again, and, and we asked you to, to, to lead off because I think as you'll learn, as we'll learn, as we did, Tony represents from the CEO agenda to every facet of the, a modern CCO shop, um, what we're talking about here. Um, Tony, let me, let me start with, um, Mary Barra, the CEO of GM's agenda for transformation. Give us a sense of the magnitude of it, the scope of it within the context of GM's history.
1: Oh, it's huge. Um, So to set the context a little bit, you kind of have to go back to when Mary got the CEO job and what was happening. So the company had just come out of bankruptcy. It was starting to get its legs under it with Dan Ackerson trying to define where the company was going from a core business, kind of re- getting some of his mojo back. Uh, Dan unfortunately had to leave um, to, because of uh, his wife's illness and so Mary was thrust into the CEO job and she's in it for about three weeks and then we have ignition switch, which, is, uh, which was a, a crisis where, um, through all the complexities of it, um, the company had not um, done the right thing with respect to an airbag that didn't deploy and it became a big deal and she was testifying in front of congress and as we as we were going through that mary's mantra was was pretty clear about you know we're going to do what's right whether it's hard or not i mean it's, it's just her integrity was going to lead that so we're coming out of that and we're frankly we're swimming i mean there's a lot going on um where our heads are spinning we not, we need to not only do what we did well in terms of cars trucks and crossovers and selling them uh, but she had to figure out why this happened and how it could never happen again. And not only from a process engineering standpoint and put those in place, but behaviorally, what was going on. So we, we got our top, uh, at the time, as 300 uh, lead executives from around the globe together. And usually, we we have these meetings twice a year. January kind of sets the tone for the year. September, we get together and we do 170 PowerPoint charts and tell everybody what they're supposed to be doing and give them a progress report. Everyone falls asleep for about six or seven hours and we we ask them for questions, dead silence, nothing happens, and we say, success, we're done, let's go have a drink. Um, This time, we we had, literally, we had 300 people and we did a, um, we, we got a warehouse and we did a conversation with all of us and we and we asked them what what did they think all right what what did we need to do differently as, a, as leaders in this company to prevent things like that from happening again but then to start to scratch the itch of where is this all going and uh, and that led to a discussion about accountability it led to a discussion about um, how do we work better together as we did that we're in the in the same context of the whole world is telling us that we're gonna go out of business, right? Because Tesla's gonna take over all the electrification that's gonna go on in the world, and electrification's gonna, we don't know how to do that, so we're gonna be out of business. Um, Uber and Lyft are gonna take away all the drivers, no matter what you do, you guys aren't gonna be selling cars anymore. Um, and technologically, they're a pain in the butt, and uh, people are stuck in traffic, and they're aggravated with their cars, they're aggravated with the buying experience, etc. So, um, so we just So that led to, literally about four months of conversation with the senior leadership team. And we came to the conclusion that we were gonna be disrupted, but we could choose to disrupt ourselves. And so that in turn led to an entire thought process of, okay, what's that all mean? And, um, and we went into a, um, a branding exercise, we went into the mission value purpose piece in the beginning and it just wasn't enough. And, um, and that led to um, Mary assigning me and uh, our CMO to get together and say, what does this really mean? What are we gonna become? And then how do we go get that done?
2: You know, that g- came together in something very specific that's turned into many things, a strategy, a mantra, yep. a vision, an aspiration, and zero, zero, zero yep. is what it's truncated to be. I have been so excited about the response that we've gotten since we talked about General Motors' vision to create a world with zero crashes, zero emission, and, and zero congestion. One of the things that is our strength is that we are 100 years old. We have all that experience. We have great technical depth. Our message of zero, zero, zero is greater than General Motors. It's greater than our industry. It's really about the uh, the
0: future of our planet and the future of humankind.
2: Zero crashes, zero emission, zero congestion has become a really compelling North Star not just for the company, but I think well beyond the company. It's giving people a, a different view of General Motors, which I think is very positive.
1: I think um, 000 has has brought clarity inside the company that has never been seen, uh, at least in my career.
2: Our employees are really excited about our vision. They live and breathe the product, and so now they understand where we're going, what we're doing as a company, and the impact that it has on the greater world. Regardless of which part of the company you, you work in, you are helping support the current results and you're helping redefine Find the future of our business.
1: Because we all know it takes a great team and the support of many functions to impact change. I think
2: that's a huge competitive advantage. We can go up and down the chain, across the chain. We can go to different functions
1: very rapidly. If you take an enterprise approach, a one team approach, you can have that speed and you can have that agility and I think that's fabulous.
2: We break down barriers. We listen to each other. We're bold. We look over the horizon. Everything we do, we do with integrity. The very compelling and simple perspective on this is if you want to come and work at the place where the future is going to be made and realized and actually deployed at massive scale, you need to come and work right here. That last comment in the video was about, come work at GM if you want to be about a company that's going to deliver on zero, zero, zero. Traditional CMOs would think brand is synonymous with what the customer or prospect experiences or buys. CCOs think a little differently. So, as you've had brand responsibility now, talk talk about that remit.
1: Yeah. So the the, the process itself was um, as we went through it, we. I realized going into it that I didn't have the background, the historical background that our marketing colleagues had with terms of, in terms of the discipline that you apply to developing what is a brand, what is, the, what is the essence of a brand, how do you get to the components that are gonna drive to, to branding. Uh, and one of, those, one of those big lessons for, for us is we, we have a brand that we attempted over the course of 100 years to try and apply to our consumer brands. And frankly, believe it or not, Most of our consumers don't realize that our brands that they deal with come through General Motors, and so you know, in the 1950s when Alfred Sloan was doing GM and you know a a car for every purpose and and person purpose, it, it we didn't have all the competition that we have today and all the noise that's out there today. And I mean, multiply how many models are out there, how many brands are out there, by how much noise is out there. And the question was, did you want to spend the money to connect that dot or not, and how important was it? And it, frankly, most people buy their vehicles and think the company they're dealing with is Chevrolet, or the company they're dealing with is Cadillac. And it should be, frankly, that's the brand promise. So um, we had a choice. We were either going to spend billions of dollars to try and connect those brands to General Motors and create an umbrella brand and do that, or we were gonna define which audiences were gonna provide a higher rate of return. And so we, we decided on the latter. And um, and employees, potential employees, are two huge audiences that we go after for the GM brand. And then uh, policy makers or policy influencers, and then investors, as you said. Had a lot of conversations with, uh, with uh, BlackRock and Larry and, and that team and others that have come into the ESG space and, and talked to us about the importance of it. And so that allowed us then to say, okay, what is this brand gonna be and how do you go after it and how do you articulate it? And, and a really a seminal moment for me in this development as we were going through this, and Mary was intimately involved. Um, I th- we had monthly um, really deep dive updates and, and where are we at, what are we doing? And I, I've been in this business for 33 years. I've been in communications for almost 35 now. And for decades and forever, we've had the conversation about what are the unintended consequences of selling 90 million vehicles across the globe every single year. And we needed Mary to say and accept that these unintended consequences could be our solve. And the unintended consequences are people crash and die. We do pollute if we do IC engines. No matter how good your internal combustion engine and how clean it is and how much we argue with it, it still pollutes. And we are causing aggravation and congestion in cities with massive influx of vehicles, whether here in New York with cabs and everything else. And we looked at her and we said, this is really the inflection point. Do you accept that? And she thought about it and thought about it some more. And she said, yeah, I get that. And we said, okay, then that's the solve. And that's where we went to zero crashes, zero emissions and zero congestion. And when we talk about that, to any audience, they're blown away. I mean, General Motors is gonna do this, but the authenticity of what you can influence was just this critical colliding element that we we brought together.
2: Now, that's an aspirational state that a lot of people would say, that's terrific. But in our conversations, you use the term gap, gap, gap analysis, gap analysis. So let's now switch to, not switch to, but here you have this now purpose, the brand is built on this, um, culture. So how do you think about, how does Mary think about it, how do you think about it, and what are you doing with culture
1: transformation? Well, I, I, I'm fortunate to work for a CEO who's got a massive level of emotional intelligence and intellectual intelligence colliding together to, to get to some of this stuff. but. Um, when you, Mary defines b- b- culture, she says, you know, everybody talks about culture and it's this big black box. What is it? How do you do it? And, uh, and you, you inferred it when you talked about the, the I don't know which piece of it it was in the culture, but it's, it's behaviors. And so we spent a lot of time on defining exactly what are the behaviors that we need to model as leaders and then what, what are the behaviors that need to take us from motivating people to inspiring people. So it's one thing to inspire people to have the goal and the North Star, and, that, and believe me, we, we hire people today that come in and just, they gravitate toward us because they know they can influence this. I mean, not everybody comes in and wants to develop a you know a Corvette, although lots of us do and love to drive them. but. Um, but But having this North Star and having the commitment to do it, and having a, a company that says we we are huge, I mean we're one hundred and fifty billion dollars. We are a massive venture capitalist. We can really disrupt that world and go ahead and do that ourselves. and so when, when we got through and spent time and, and her the SLT is it's her top twelve people, we spent literally months going through what are the behaviors that we need to have and we define specific behaviors. I think the key is conversation. The key is having the dialogue to say which ones of these are you really good at and which ones aren't you so good at. One of the things that you mentioned on, on the, uh, the, all of the exercises is listen. I mean listening is such a key thing and, and, and a lot of us are extroverts and what comes with being an extrovert is really liking to hear yourself talk But shut up, and listen to people, and engage. Because when you engage, you actually take the listening to the conversations, and and this is whether it's the digital space, or whether it's the cultural space. You listen, you can engage, and then you can kind of correct and do the gap analysis and figure out what you gotta do next. Sorry, I didn't mean to say shut up. You don't have to shut up. (laughs) Not very nice. So
2: speaking of skills in your organization, you made a comment I found quite interesting. You said that, you, you cannot rise in my organization at GM unless you, have influ- unless you are good at influence and
1: collaboration. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. The biggest difference at General Motors, I was on the, the, the fairly senior level before bankruptcy, before, and I left for five years and came back with, when Mary was having so much fun with Congress uh, with the ignition switch, and um, the biggest difference is that we're not running the organization at all vertically we're running it horizontally now. Um, I'm a slow learner. So, um, as, as I was going through some of the work that we were doing last year um, internally, we were we were you know we had the uh, you know we had the the D work that we were doing, and and really what we did is we found a different approach to do it, and 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 it was much more self reflective as to what am I creating the kind of environment? Am I creating an inclusive environment and things like that? What and one of the aha moments in that was. This idea of influence is huge. And this idea that for decades I've surrounded myself with people who work for me who were just expert at influencing up, down, sideways throughout the organization. Yet I never had a curriculum and I never even knew I was doing this. And as we were going through this process, we were finding that this, this idea that to be a successful communicator, you, it's not just influencing the outcome and the audience that you're talking about. It's within your construct of your organization. Are you mentoring and are you teaching and is there a curriculum that you're putting together that allows people to successfully influence through the organization what it is you're trying to get done, whether it's cultural attributes or whether it's defining what the brand is and getting people on board. Because if, if you are true about the brand, Having a responsibility for the brand is the easy part. Having leaders accept what their role is in making that brand become true is a whole different ballgame. And if you don't have influence to do that, and and I, I told you I think that so many times in our careers we've watched CCOs have influence with the CEO. And then when they would leave, the CEO would leave or the CCO would leave, that would all fall apart and all that influence would go out the door with it. And it's not that. That's one aspect of it. But it's gotta be influence over your peer group, influence through the organization. And so when I look at my organization and those that are really excelling, I've found that this idea of, and they're capable communicators, okay check, we got that going in. Before they ever come to me to talk, they're there. But this idea that they're, they have this ability, innate ability, frankly, so far, on influence. And so then how do, I, how do we bottle that? How do we teach that? And I, you and I were talking about, can we put together a curriculum to do that? Yep. I, frankly, I don't know of one that exists right now. So mm-hmm. so called ComTech. So
2: yep. how do you think about that?
1: So um, clearly we have more tools than we've ever had available to us. And, um, and again, as you walk through the ComTech piece of it, you walk through a piece where you, you talked about first you can listen and in a second, you can d- develop the, the content and engage in conversations and then measure. And so we are gonna have to become expert at the measurement piece of the business and understanding what that is. And I think oftentimes, and, and I, I'm probably wrong, but okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just say what I've done in the past as I've developed some of these, is I've rushed to the content piece before I've understood what it is that I'm trying to solve. I've taken the content piece the way I've taken my previous 30 some years and said, as long as I distributed the content, that was success. It's not success. What are you trying to solve for? What are you trying to engage? How do you do it? The reason why we have responsibility for this is that we aren't emitting and telling people what to do, how to think, what they are. We're engaging people. It's the same way that we've had the same responsibility for media relations or communications internally was it was an engagement model. It's not a dissemination model. And today we have the we have the basic makeup as professionals to do this and we need to marry that to the technical competence of the tools that are becoming available to us. And so we, we are absolutely going to need to get a lot more comfortable on using data tools and analysis and being able to not just measure what the output was, but what is happening with the output. And, and we can do that today. You know, I mean, I've been a page for 20 some years and first we argued we wanted a seat at the table. So, so now we got the seat at the table, now they're giving us responsibility and I don't want to say, oh boy, now what's next here? I mean, we have this opportunity and we have the capability to do it, it's just, one of, the, one of the big things for me, and John, you know this, we talked about this, is your organization has got to become a learning organization. Because if you're just learning about the tools that are available today, whether it's, you know, you're tweeting this and seeing how many people do that, or you're doing this and seeing how many people you know, run your content, retweet it, do whatever, it's not the tools. It's what are you accomplishing through those tools. And if you can tell me what the tools are gonna to be five years from now, then, then go invest in it because you don't need to be a CCO. And if we think about the progress that's happened in our, in our lifetimes, if we step back and look at what's happened to our profession, and look at the, the, the attention spans that have gone down, how you have to get to people. I mean, if we're really honest with ourselves, we, how many of you had an article that came out and you didn't like the headline, your CEO didn't like the headline, you called the reporter and they said, I don't do headlines, right? I mean, over, all right? The guy that did headlines before was fitting it into a newspaper this size, but he was interpreting what happened in the story and he was putting context into a headline. How is that different than clicks, which is the headline grabber now? And all of this stuff, if you look back and study it, you can see this arc that's happening And the arc is going to continue to happen. So if we're not developing learning organizations, if we're not comfortable not knowing everything, if we're not comfortable with ambiguity, we're in trouble. Because this stuff is changing faster than we can ever, I mean, 30 years when I started long form journalism, you kind of went into the USA Today space, you had the internet, you had broadcast, you had this, shrink, 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 now 140 characters, a little bit more. Um, What's next?
0: If you enjoyed today's episode of The New CCO, be sure to check out our latest episodes and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating and a review. We want to hear what you think so that we can keep making this podcast more interesting and valuable to you. To find out more about what's happening at PAGE, please visit us at PAGE.org. Special thanks go to Morning Consult and to Rivet Smart Audio, our podcast sponsors. Without their support, we wouldn't be able to bring this podcast to you. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on The New CCO. If you're a Page or a PageUp member, or you're in an organization that has one, I want to tell you about the Learning Lab. This is a new program that's designed to be an entirely online learning experience that's designed to give people the knowledge and skills that are increasingly in demand for the jobs we do. You can jump in and out as often as you'd like. It's full of case studies and other learnings, as well as the ability to engage with peers from around the world on these topics. It's a really unique learning opportunity. And if you're interested in learning more or enrolling, please visit pagelearninglab.com.